We're working extremely hard and we're looking to win the championships, but it's about relationships for me. And it's about giving these young men some really great experiences and have lifelong relationships with them. That was Keene State head coach, Mark Terrio. He's the guest on this week's Chasing the Goal podcast. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me is the man you've all been waiting to hear from that isn't me, Jack Pantelli. What's going on, man? Hey, happy bladed Halloween. Actually, Eric Siemens, the owner of Siemens Media, told us today we're going to go to YouTube so people are going to be able to watch us actually tape our podcast, which I'm really excited about. And it's really unfortunate today. Yes, it is. They can't see you today because... You're Ted Lasso. Yeah, I was. You, well, it's amazing how much you look like it with that mustache. <laughs> Ted Lasso. I came into the studio. I started laughing my ass off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, went trick or treating last night and with uh, my girlfriend Danielle's son. And yeah, I got the mustache. I kept it. I put a poll on Twitter up. Everyone's like, "No, you got to keep it for the guests." And then as soon as I get in, he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna go on YouTube." I'm like, "Oh no, this was <laughs> this was a poor decision." So uh, for the next couple, I'll be having the mustache, and I uh, hope you guys get to enjoy that. But First, we got to bring on our guest, Keene State head coach in his, what season, coach? 23rd. 23rd season, Mark Terrio. Coach, how we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, high energy. First podcast of the day, ready to go. And I love sending my players to play for you. So that's, that's my first leadoff. I know Jack probably is sending, sending you a couple guys as well, but Keene State is a, is a mainstay in Division Three, and Thus, you are as well. We can see you. Guys, we can see on the video. Speaking of video, coach's growing the hair out a little bit. Got got some wingings going on with that hat on. What's what's yeah, behind that? Slow. I, I just decided to just let it go. See what happens for a while. And that was funny. The, the guys on the team responded really well. They were like, "Coach, you got to let it go all the way to the spring." And we'll we'll see. We'll take it month by month right now. But it's kind of a fun little thing that I'm doing on the side. I actually made that bet once with one of my kids, and Christmas came, and I was like please, can we stop this bet? Can I just, can we, cut, uh, can I cut my hair? So hopefully you'll, you'll power through it. I cut it. I, I looked ridiculous. <laughs> no, yeah. Coach, you look like you could uh, be back in college with that. Who are doing out there playing? It's looking really good, coach. Looking good. I, I worked the rest of my body, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt like my hair does right now because hip replacement yeah. four years ago and some bones, uh, broken bones all over the place is uh, hard to keep up with that. The young bucks of in their twenties these days. Yeah, it's tough to get old, and you're fortunate. You get to grow your hair out. I have no hair to grow out. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you, you, good, good segue. I'm going to segue into this before you, because <laughs> you played at Springfield College, lacrosse, Springfield College, and I didn't you play soccer there as well? I didn't. I played ice hockey. Oh, ice hockey. That's right. I, yeah, I was going to play soccer as well, and I just felt it was a little too much. So. Hockey was always a growing up in Maine was sort of like the, a mainstay for me. And then it was, it was a club team, as it still is. And they, it was a nice marriage between the two because we're able to play hockey, practice once or twice a week, and then focus on lacrosse at the same time. So it was a great, great combination. Well, I brought it up because I definitely have seen you on some, some men's soccer teams in the last 20 years. That's, <laughs> that's not sneaking, sneaking past me. New Hampshire is real small. So we, we, we hear a lot of stuff going on. Regardless of where we are in the state, and let's let's talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about Keene. Keene's in the far western part of, of New Hampshire, southern New Hampshire, kind of central. 
And I think if unless you've been there, it's kind of hard to describe to people because it's kind of not a city, but like a very concentrated, large town unto itself, has its own kind of character. How would you describe that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great description. And it's that quintessential New England college town. We have a beautiful Main Street. It was actually the architect that built it, it built also Burlington and uh, Boulder. So it has a really wide Main Street. So it's really pedestrian for the kids. The, the school itself sort of attached or part of part of the downtown area. So it's really pedestrian for them to go out to the bars and to be social. I'd say 100, 99%, 100% of my juniors move off campus. So it's a safe place for them. And they have a good time there and they get a great, edu- great education as well. Yeah, it's a state school in New Hampshire. There's really just you guys in Plymouth, and that's a that's a big rivalry. That was my first job out of school coaching at, at Plymouth, and uh, one of our games we played against you, and I just remember being like, all the kids were excited on the bus ride because we went down to to Keene, and uh, we got there, and we, we it was a tight one. You got you guys nipped it from us. I think it was like a two goal game back in two thousand four, and. The like it was so close that the guys were so disappointed when we got on the bus. But like, I just remember coming into that complex, which is it's still there. But I think we played on the old turf back in the, the day. Turf. Yeah, the 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 turf where if you fell, that cut's not healed for a long time. <laughs> but now you have a you have a beautiful facility. And talk to me a little bit about how much Keen has invested in the athletic program, especially in the last ten years. Because I think you've gone full circle with a full redo for that whole complex, right? Yeah, we did. We just last, our new turf is a year old now and it's it's a field turf type surface, which is really nice. It's, they don't have the, the black rubber, rubber pellets. They have the sand, it's like this coated sand base because it's the whole thing over there is a flood zone. So it's, uh, it's actually a really beautiful and great facility. We have a nice stadium there, our locker room, they invested in a little locker room facility out there. But that's, that's really a helpful part for the boys to just keep their equipment and all their all their stuff at the uh, at the complex. Every single day, they don't have to lug their stuff all around. And then, and then the school's also, right now, talking about some great things. They're talking about varsity weight rooms, indoor track slash indoor facility for the guys can practice. And when we have some inclement weather, although I'm a pretty big stickler of coming in January that we're outside and we're party hardy men of, of New Hampshire. So we're going to, we're going to fight the cold and, and toughen up a little bit. But in, and in general, that would be nice to have a facility that when it was a major storm that we can jump inside and, and get some work done. Having been there for 22 years on your 23rd season, Mark, tell me a little bit about, you got started at a pretty young age and what have you learned over the course of your 23 years to become a, a better coach and a better recruiter? in the position you're in? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Jack. And for me, I, I really share that with my recruits and their families now because you're right. Back in the day, geez, when I was in my 20s, just full of total pith and vinegar back then and just win at all the costs kind of thing. And for me, it's one of those things that it's it's about the experience. Like none of us in Division Three are passing out scholarships. So for me, I, I really feel there has to be this intrinsic motivation from these kids to say, hey, I, I want to come to a D3 school. I want to come to Keene and I need to do the work. And it's not just practice for six or whenever practices or games. 
that they're working out in the weight room, that we're doing agilities, that they're hitting the books in the classroom and doing all those things. And for me, it's, it's, it's about big picture now. I, I've had some pretty good success there, but a lot of ways I measure success now is my relationship with my alumni. And we had our 25th anniversary this past fall, and we had about 83 alums come back. And it was just a phenomenal experience. And on, on, on a sad note, it sort of kind of just goes right back the family-like environment over there. My father-in-law that was with my ex-wife, he passed away on Sunday and the out, the outpouring of alumni that are just talking to me and reaching out is incredible. And, and he, Mickey Levine, he was a surgeon in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and he would come from South Adley. And he was my one of my assistants for seven years at Keene State. And he would come and really have amazing relationships. He was a goalie at Wesleyan back in the day. And his relationships with the kids were phenomenal. And for me, I, I really try to impress upon my kids some of the lessons that he said. And those things are things such as relationships and what are you doing after the four years of lacrosse and all that. Because in the big picture, we are playing lacrosse. We're all really afforded an amazing opportunity to give kids a great experience. But at the same time, it has to mean something and it, it has to mean that we're a family and that we, we care about each other. And at the same time, we're working extremely hard and we're looking to win the championships and the LAC and all that. But, you know, the big picture stuff for me and I, and I really feel, Jack, to answer your question, it, it's about relationships for me and it's about giving these guys and these young men some really great experiences and have lifelong relationships with them. And you had a great career at Springfield College Division II program at the time. You won a national championship. You were a midfielder, player of the year, I believe, two-time All-American. You went on to play for the Boston Blazers, had a great career. But to your point, your experience at Springfield College playing Division II and the relationships that you have with that national championship team and the players and the success they've all had over the years really speaks volume about what you've built at Keene, the, the, the culture and having a great positive experience and then being able to take that experience in those relationships and build a great life after college. And I think so many players and parents get caught up in the commitment and Division One lacrosse. And to your point, what's the big picture, right? What is the big picture? No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I just feel sometimes because we are in the club atmosphere these days that I know a lot of club owners try to really push the D1 experience to their kids. But you know what? Sometimes it's like, I think it's appropriate to send a kid to a D3 that could start, have potential All-American honors and stuff, and, and, and still have a great experience. And the only difference I usually talk to families about is if there's big money being exchanged. And then at that point, it becomes a business transaction rather than just a loss of lacrosse experience. So, yeah, and, and back to the Springfield piece, Jack, it, it's true. They're just, I mean, Springfield really built a great foundation and Coach Bugby, the godfather, as they all say, has been very inspirational with that. And then in addition to that, all of, all of our colleagues, all of our friends that we play with, I have an assistant coach now that is with me for the first year and he's like, Holy cow, coach. Every time I'm on the road, I'm going to another Springfield guy. And it's like it's the, the mafia, or I call it the Springfield rash that we treat, we're just all over the place. And, we, and it's great. And we produce some really coaches, but I think in additionally, some great people and individuals. And they really pass that upon their, their, all their, all their individual programs. And they have a great 
They have a great experience. And sometimes I lose kids to Keith and Springfield and Winnick with Coach Filpaki and all these players. But, you know, in the end of the day, these kids are going to be well coached and they're going to have a great experience. That's really what we're trying to do out there anyway. And they're in great hands. And do any of your assistant coaches, when they're out in the field recruiting, run into any Clark alumni guys? I mean, there's not, I don't think there's as many Clark guys out there. There's two of us. We've been over this. The other one's the head coach and there's me. Kyle loves to hear that there's Springfield guys everywhere. I do. I like the rash one better than the mafia though. That's more fun. I'll use I'll use that from now on. I will say that I I love sending my kids to you at Hopkinton, and one of the things that I prep them for is they're just like you can't just like walk into Keene, dude. Like we have kids that are first team All State that are on your team right now. We sent you our, our goalie who was first team All State, and before that, defensive player of the year, and they haven't played yet. Like you, we've and I've had conversations with them afterwards where I'm like, you're gonna have to work on this, 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 and this to contribute at the college level, and you have to realize there's seniors, there's juniors and sophomores above you. You're gonna have to beat them out. So, and I'm not. We already talked about how, how they're doing before. I don't want to put it on the podcast, but I'm super proud of them, and I'm proud that they went to Keene State because I know that they're gonna get a chance to play very competitive lacrosse if they work at it. Absolutely, and. I think at this point, after 22 years, we definitely have a culture at Keene that you got to do the stuff. And we, I remember playing Coach Daly at Tufts, and he's, he always told his guys, and I, he shared this with me, that he always loved the playoffs because when you're at Tufts, we're a gritty team. And I, I think skill-wise, maybe not as talented as the Tufts winning national championships, but I think our team always had that heart and that willingness to just grind it out with these teams. And I, I think that's the culture that I try to impress upon my kids and say, hey, this is, if, if we're going to be here, we have to work extremely hard. And I, I think it gets contagious and they all do it together. And we have fun at the same time, which I think is a really nice, a nice program attribute that we have that we're really trying to promote this brotherhood and at the same time, I win some games. You were on a national championship team. And what I've learned from my experience at Springfield and just being in the game for as long as I have, and just having a very good understanding of all the different levels and the programs, and like you, we, I know you'll probably agree, but do you agree that when you played for a national championship team, the competition to get on the field at Keene is more competitive than probably when you are on a national championship team back in the day in 94, I believe it was? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Jack. The game has evolved so much. The kids now are so skilled. I mean, back back when we spent Springfield, I think like lifting programs were like thought on, but not implemented. And I think that's why even playing club ice hockey and doing doing all these other things on campus was okay because you didn't have to commit so much. And I tell people Division Three now is sort of like the old school D ones where you did some lifting and you have to do lifting and, and stuff like that. Things weren't. Things aren't optional anymore. So it's, it's, it's definitely a change, but yeah, you're right. I think we had a really talented group in 94 and 95. And by the way, I didn't lose a national championship my senior year. I still haven't watched that game. I don't think I could do that after an undefeated season, but yeah, the, the game is involved in man. It's fast now. It's really exciting. I think one of the things that I, I wish would happen in regards to the development of the players is we could slow down the younger kids with clubs and bring back some educational, developmental teaching camps. Because I think that's, that's one thing that I think is missing 
but I think everyone loves the, the clubs and stuff like that. But, you know, to get to your point, people are, people and players are just so fast and so amazing these days. I was actually at both the national championship games. I recall the first one in 94 was at New York Tech, and you won that game pretty handily. It was a close game, but in 95, the game was at Springfield College. I don't recall who you played in 95, but you got, you Springfield was ahead most of that game and unfortunately lost to let the game get away at the end. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was against the Delphi Jack, and yeah, they, they were a good team. We beat them at Army earlier in the season and then we just sort of we got going and then I think we got a little little comfortable and they they responded well we made some couple little errors and then we started coming back but I think that we just ran out of time and maybe despite I think two or three goals so so if you played against tech Jack Cayley was the coach then he was so you played against the backer zone which is my favorite thing in lacrosse that (laughs) I think only one team really runs it consistently now I think it's just Wesleyan and theirs is so different from what, what his was. But uh, when I first started coaching, that was one of the things that always fascinated me. Is like, why don't more people do this? And can you ex- describe to me playing against it? Because that's the most well-oiled one because it was basically created by him in that era to get them into national championship games, and it worked. Yeah. Can you kind of just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was hard at first because like, we, we went, when we played a regular season, we're like, what is this? This is we used to just man-to-man and outrunning people and put me against you kind of thing. And this was with this backer zone was you had to basically suck people to one side and draw them over and then get it to the other side quickly and go hard. And Jim Magel, who's the who's the head of Con College now, was an assistant at Springfield that year with Randy, Randy Frazier and all that. And they and they and they taught us how to how to beat the zone. And they they were just phenomenal teachers. But yeah, back to back to that backer zone. It is hard. It is really hard and you just, you're just so used to just beating one and move it along versus when you move it along, there's someone there already for you and, and it makes it difficult to, to score. So you have to be confident in your dodge dump to nice hard shots. And I think that's, that's how we got a little success with that and finally beating, beating their back. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Massachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Massachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to Massachusetts.com. That's Massachusetts.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. 
Kyle, did I ever tell you that I played professional box lacrosse for the Boston Blazers back in the late 80s and early 90s? You know what, Jack? I don't think it's ever come up. Well, I did, and it totally transformed my game. And I only wish I had started playing box lacrosse early in my career. The fast pace of the game and the confined space of the box forced me to develop a new set of skills that made me a better field lacrosse player. This is why Piatelli Lacrosse is launching the Piatelli Stallions box lacrosse program and we will be holding tryouts on november 13th for youth players and november 16th for high school players at four kicks in marlboro mass starting this fall players will participate in box lacrosse training sessions scrimmages and compete in box tournaments over the winter our coaching staff is comprised of box lacrosse legends like bruce chanichuk peter schmitz dave desco and john piatelli who was just drafted by the Albany Firewolves of the National Lacrosse League. Of course, I will be there too. For more information of the Stallions Box Lacrosse Program, visit PiatelliLacrosse.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to laxjournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. I find your story very interesting, Mark. You grew up in Maine and uh, became the player and the coach you are today. How did you get started playing lacrosse coming from the state of Maine? Because I would imagine that back in the day, in the in the eighties, it wasn't as popular as it is today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I started. I went to high school in a small little Catholic school in Lewiston, Maine, called St. Don's. It's now in Auburn now, and there was no lacrosse. And then after my time, my four years at St. Don's, I went over to Hebron Academy, and so I was nineteen at the time. And I'm like, oh, lacrosse is basically ice hockey on grass. So I picked it up, and I I became you know pretty successful with that played played over there then did a postgraduate year and then i think there was like five or six teams i remember my first game in 1990 was against cape elizabeth and charlie birch was the the, the head coach so my first game ever game ever was against charlie he's at the university of new england now but then then the funny thing is i went i went down to springfield and kyle this is where that soccer thing comes in handy is I, I went to Springfield for a visit and was looking to talk to the soccer coach, Peter Haley at the time, and he he wasn't there. And then, lo and behold, Coach Fugby across the hall, his uh, his door is open. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go over and say hi. I'm the coach and introduce myself. And then I tried out, had, had the long, long hair at the time and prep school kid come back then and uh, jumped over. And I came in, I came in actually with it as a close defense and I went to practice and then they're like, what are you doing with that, with that pole? And I'm like, I don't know. We just need the poles back in the day. So I did that. And then coach said, why don't you try a short stick? And then one practice, I'm like, hey, can I try a face off? I was a center in ice hockey. And lo and behold, I had the motorcycle grip. I didn't, people didn't were basically asked me, why are you holding the stick that way? 
And my response was, I have no idea. It just feels comfortable and started taking face-offs to Springfield and then kept moving forward. And that was that, was that basically. Yeah, you were an outstanding face-off guy. And, and your point, listening to your story, is what multi-sport athletes are able to do on the lacrosse field. You played soccer, hockey, picked up lacrosse. You had a couple of years' experience until you played and the opportunity to play at Springfield College. It's a great story, Mark, about being a multi-sport athlete. So many athletes today want to focus on one sport. If you weren't a multi-sport athlete at the time, there's no way you would have been able to play two years of high school lacrosse and then have the opportunity to play at Springfield College, having the experiences on the soccer and the hockey rink. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I just felt it was playing soccer and ice hockey all my life, just the transferable skills are, it was so, it was such an easy transition. Instead of a puck on the ice, it was a ball in the air and the, the eye-hand skills were still always there. And then the running of soccer up and down the field is is very similar to lacrosse. And then you, you add the physicality for it to, with that, it was like, oh boy, like I said, hockey on grass, this is, this is phenomenal. And then you just sort of then for me, you got to work your craft because when I go back to Lewiston, Maine, in between summer breaks up there, I would sneak into Bates College's facilities, the, the indoor facilities, and then find a net and just keep practicing and practicing as much as you can, and then go back the next year and try to push the envelope. Then, but yeah, the the, the different sports was a huge asset, and uh, I always I always push that. Right now, I actually on my team at Keene, I do have two kids on on the team that do play for the, the club ice hockey team. And I think that's great. I think it's wonderful that they're able to do other things. And the soccer player came along and wanted to play soccer. By by all means, I would love for them to do that because it keeps them in shape. And you know that they're doing something that they're passionate about and there's, they're not hurting our team in, in any way. So I, I definitely recommend the multi-sport athletes. I know a lot of us know this story. Don Starger, the great coach of Virginia, when he was recruiting players They'd find out if they played multi-sports multi and if a kid played football on one occasion, player was a quarterback. Instead of watching his lacrosse film, he watched his football film to see what kind of a quarterback, his IQ, athletic, how he presented himself on the field. When you're recruiting, are you more likely to take a look at a player who is a multi-sport athlete versus one who's just focused on? I think I think in today's is it's a mixed bag. When I when I get a kid off of the IMLC sports recruits, if there's football film on as highlight tapes as well as lacrosse, I'm watching both to see see how they are. And at the same time, I, I think our sport is also kind of pushed into like a little bit of specialization. So you gotta you, you gotta recruit those guys as well, but. You know, right now I have two recruits I'm waiting for that are playing football. And I appreciate that they're not, they haven't been on campus because they're committed to their football seasons. And when they're done in a couple of weeks, they're going to come on campus for visits. But I think that's wonderful that, that they're doing that because I do hear a lot of times when I'm talking to kids that, hey, what are you doing this fall? And they're like, well, I'm just playing on my club team. And I go, I think that's great. And they're, they're keeping getting better and, and playing a little lacrosse. But I do like hearing when kids are playing other sports throughout the year. Yeah, definitely a lot of Keene State helmets playing in summers. A quick little, uh, very New Hampshire thing of uh, at, in New London, right next to Colby Sawyer. There's a little uh, little field tucked back there, right past the little downtown where a ton of just Central and, and Western New Hampshire college and high school kids play, as well as older guys. A bunch of my, my guys play there. And one of them I got to see, I didn't coach him, 
at Hopkinton, but he's the best player in the history of the school, and he plays for you, and his name is Colby Quiet. And he is coolest name ever, by the way, and also very, very cool kid. Like he's he came to alumni stuff. Very great to get to know him. He he takes face offs for you, and he's a face. He's a player that stays on after the face off kind of guy. A scorer. I just love talking about him in particular because like I first met him at that pickup, and he just was killing everyone going half speed, and I'm like, oh my god, this is what people that line up against Keen State see. This kid, he's just so. Such a special kid. And even though I didn't coach him, I just wanted to shout him out because I think that's the kind of guy that that goes to Keene State and has success is in-state New Hampshire kids. And everyone knows I'm a New Hampshire guy. I'm always going to push for kids to go to the best fit for them. But I think Keene State, Plymouth State are great options for kids in public schools, especially just because the the tuition is low and the opportunity to play high-level lacrosse is there. Yeah. Colby's just doing a phenomenal job for our team. And he I see a lot of me and him where I think he came in as not the most polished player. Right. But man, he's a grinder and he's willing to work hard and he's willing to do what it takes. Like you said, he, he faces off. He, he can play short stick D midi. He can play offense. And just that, just an example of that, we scrimmaged our one fall ball tournament. We actually hosted UNH a couple of weeks ago and Colby put up six goals. And so he, he had a phenomenal day, but. In addition to that, he won a bunch of face-offs, had a ton of ground balls, everything. And I think besides that, Colby, that he's a great kid and he's willing to work hard and he always has a good attitude. And I'm always, I'm, I'm always happy to work with him and, and see him on campus all the time. Jack, I know you have this experience a lot because you run the club team, but when you talk, when we have a coach on the podcast are you, are you, and you talk about one of your kids that played for you, are you always like, yeah, that's right. Like that, like I get so proud. Do you, do you feel that every time? Absolutely. And to Mark's point, I mean, we, we, we do a great job placing our players at a school that fits them academically and athletically and having a great experience. Most of our players are Division two and three, and, and they end up at Division two and three. Occasionally, we'll get a Division one player, but we push Division two and three. And just to see them go on and have an opportunity to play a lacrosse at any, any school, and they're going to get an education, I truly believe that it's not where you get your education, it's what you do with it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, uh, I really love to see it. Yeah, it's, I had the pleasure of ha- tweeting out a, a, one of my players' recruits. It's like the first time anyone from the school has been like pushed out, besides, actually besides Cole, who was, who was a huge get. I know when he went to Keene, he was super excited. And just the feeling I got from the, the feedback of that because it's not often that my job as a high school assistant coach and a JV head coach intersects with this kind of other part of my life, right? I, I try to keep them a little separate, but I love talking about it on the podcast. And that's why I was psyched to have you on because I know I'm so excited. Like, I wish I we could record all of the questions I have for you about my kids, but then no one's going to listen to the podcast because it's going to be like <laughs> Kyle's podcast. But I, I do really enjoy the history of, of Keen. And as a New Hampshire kid, I can tell you that, I mean, you've been there when I was in high school, you were still coaching there. And I remember kids being like, oh, well, you can just go play lacrosse at Keene State. And I'm like, no, they, no, I can't. There's 50 kids there. I got to beat out 50 kids to go play at Keene State. Like that, and that was in the like 2000. Like that's not, it's just not going to happen. And I think the way you've been able to keep your momentum there is really historic. Like it, 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 if or when you decide to retire from there, they're going to put like, they're going to name the field after you because you've really established that program 
as one of the top programs in in the in New England for Division Three, a pure monster in the Little East. I mean, if you coach in the Little East, you're like, oh, we're gonna play Keen. Keen always has three little attackmen that are faster than everyone, and you can't cover them one on one. You have to have slide packages. You have to be ready. They're always gonna try and push transition on you like that. They're a fun team to watch. There's a lot of Springfield in them, Jack. I know you'll be very excited for that, and I can see it in the way that that you coach, having coached against you and seeing you guys play, how much that has developed. What? How have you been able to keep that momentum up? Because it really is like a, a family, like you were talking about, a fraternity of of Division three kind of tucked into New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, when, when I started, Colin, and, and you're right on, I knew because I had 16 kids on my team when I first started, and one of the things that I said to myself is, listen, I have to become first the 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 pre the premier state school of New Hampshire. Yeah. So what I did back then is I went after Pinkerton hard and I was really aggressive. And geez, at one point I had 10 Pinkertonkins on my team. Like geez, Matt Johnson, I have to remember him, but oh, he, yeah. he was a, he's, he just inducted into the Little League's Hall of Fame as a goalie. And he's by far the best goalie that's ever played in the Little League. I mean, when we were, when I was recruiting, it was between us and Penn State and I got him. And, you know, there's just been so many people, so many amazing New Hampshire kids. And then after I started having the success there, you, you push out. And then Acton Boxborough was a big spot for me and Simsbury, Connecticut. And I think if you look at a lot of rosters, at least in, the, in our conference, I think mine's probably the most diverse. I think, I think Plymouth has a lot more, might have a little bit more New Hampshire kids, but you know, bon, the, the Massachusetts schools have a lot of Massachusetts, the Connecticut has some Connecticut. And I, I think I try to really diversify. Because there's, there's amazing kids all over the place. And sometimes people want to get out of their home state. I know I did when I went down to Springfield. And to sustain that, I think once you get some hotbeds of lacrosse, you, you, you get some notoriety and the coaches start sending their kids to you. And I, I think just relationships with my friends and the reputation of the program has sort of been able to sustain some level of success, success that gives us opportunities to recruit really good kids. So I'm hoping that doesn't go go away anytime soon. And then as uh, we were talking before with the podcast with Jack, my uh, my best friend Tom Carmi is my assistant. And when I when I recruit people, I tell people that I, I am the head coach, but essentially you're getting two head coaches for the price of one. I mean, geez, Tom's resume is so much better than mine. He's was the head coach of the Amherst College, a three three time first team All American at UMass, eight time All Pro with the Blazers captain of the Blazers, you name it, he, he's done it. And for me to say he's my assistant is, is completely humbling. And he, he actually enjoys coaching the defense and I do a lot of the offensive stuff and it's great. It's not like a lot of programs that have assistant that's right out of college and it's going to be there for one or two years. Coach Parmine is a mainstay if everything, job price stays the same, but he's, he's such a wonderful addition. So again, when I recruit families i tell them listen you got yeah you got you got two head coaches here and that's that's a huge selling point i think because you know that between he and i there's over 50 years of college coaching experience and that's that's a pretty uh, pretty good stat you can't put a price on tom carmine being your assistant coach one of the best guys in the game as well and not only so talented but the knowledge that he has and you're not going to find a program with that much experience between yourself and and Tom Carmian, for sure. Mark, I want to ask you a question. What field do you think Kyle Devitt will be named after down the road? <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> You're the worst. 
I'm sure the main hopping in field was the perfect one. Yeah, so. I've, heard, I've heard some rumblings. I've heard some there rumblings. Yeah, if we it ever get be, turf. It might be named after Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. But yeah. I say, as long as he keeps the mustache, he's, he's in a good he's in a good uh, fight for that. So. Good thing he has a girlfriend because he would be, he would have one of the, anytime soon. She did not love it. She <laughs> did not love it. Surprised she didn't break up with you. Yeah, well, you met her. You mentioned the motorcycle grip. I haven't heard that term in a number of years. The evolution of the face-off mm-hmm. and how much it's changed the game and how it's become so specialized. I know when you played, you were really a two-way offensive guy. You were, you, you were a threat on offense. You were a great defensive player, and no one could beat you, you know, when, when you're taking the face-off. And when you played for the Blazers, the same can be said. You, you face-off, you played defense, you played offense. Are you a fan of the specialty of the face-off position now and the evolution? And would you change anything? I, I, I like, I like the face-off. I, I think it's it's a very specialized piece. I, I wasn't a big fan of them got taking away the motorcycle grip because it's like I know TD Erlen had a, had a lot to do with that. But if a if Mikey Powell, he was a phenom in his time and. We didn't say, okay, well, you can't use your right hand anymore as an attackman. And I, and I feel that they kind of took over the craft of some of these kids that have worked really hard to become just just a face-off specialist. And it, it also gives people opportun- more people opportunities to play the game that maybe they're not as fast, but they have one one skill that's, you know, that that's really, that really defines who they are as a player. And goalies are the same way, can stop the ball. And that, that's, that's, all, that's sort of all what they do and all that. But it's, I, I, I like, I like, I think the face-off's a fun piece. I think sometimes we're critiquing it in some good ways. And then some things I think like the grip that they took away wasn't, wasn't the best option, but that's just my opinion. That's a good point. I, I totally agree with that. Speaking of goalies, you've got a pretty good goalie, an outstanding goalie in your family. His name is Connor Terrio. was the first team all Ivy last year at Brown, uh, at Brown and my son had a chance to play against him, and I he he was had a tough game because your son stopped him about ten times. Talk a little bit about as a parent bringing your kids up and the whole recruiting process for you and how you handled it and how Connor ended up at Brown because I think it'd be great for our listeners. Not only are you recruiting players to come to your program, but you also live the experience with your own son. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me first off, Jack, should take this hat off, and I'll. I'll put my my brown lacrosse hat on. That way, I'm repping I'm repping Bonner right now. But yeah, I, I'm I'm just completely proud of him and his twin brother Jack, who actually plays down at Washington College as well. Both of them bringing them up again. They're they're both multi sport athletes. They played soccer, ice hockey, lacrosse, just like Dad. And it, it was nice that soccer season was soccer season and hockey, and then. We moved into lacrosse, and then during during lacrosse season, we had to we jumped around for club teams. So I think Western Mass up here, there's not much until we had to we started going down to Springfield, and then bumped around with the club circuit. But yeah, as a parent, I I felt as a college coach, it was really important for me to for one to give both my kids and both the twins the opportunity to pick the school that they wanted to go to. I, I pushed Jack a little bit to come to Keene. But I think he got he got some interest from Washington College and even Springfield College. I, I pushed that as well. We went down to see Coach Bugby. But you know, for Jack, he wanted to be in control of his college decision, and I hundred percent 
support of that. And, you know, with Connor, I think it, it, it was a little bit more of a business, a business transaction. So Connor went down to Rutgers. He, he dabbled with Harvard and Yale. And there's a couple other schools. And he went to Bryant with when Coach Pressler and Casey Brodison, one of my ex-players from Keene State, was there. And I, I think when we went, stepped on the campus Brown, Connor just like, he goes, I just feel comfortable here. It's in Providence, a really cool city. He and I went up to Dartmouth. And I remember Connor saying, I just don't feel here. These buildings are just, they're old. I'm like, yeah, that's an Ivy League, Connor. What is that kind of thing? But, you know, for him, he didn't have that intrinsic feel to, to the school. I remember when I was touring schools and I would, I finally stepped on the Springfield campus and I was in shorts and athletic t-shirts and I'm like, yep, this is home. I, I, I feel it here. This is, the, this is the environment I want to be, to be in and back to Brown with Coach Daly, Coach Holmes. I, I've had such amazing relationships with them from playing against them, them coming to some of my lacrosse camps. Then I knew that they were going to be in really great hands. And Connor just had a Cinderella year last year and just really proud of him. And, and Jack too, he, he's doing great things and he's pushing at, at Washington College as well. But again, Jack, Jack and Connor have both chosen their, their own their, their own paths. And for me, I, I made sure that I flex my college coaching muscle to any of these coaches because it's not, this isn't about me. It's, it's about them. And, and I, I would try to give support and opinions in a gracious way to my kids, but not tell them that one was better than the other. Although I kind of did want Jack to Springfield because my experience and my alma mater and all that. And then just kind of going to Ivy League. As Jack, I remember at Brown when we were talking before the, the Ivy League playoffs, we both giggled at each other saying, I can't believe both of us have kids for the high school lead schools because, you know, I, I don't think either of us admissions wise were finally got into one of those schools. No, so, no, not in a million yeah. years. I know it was great. A great experience to see you and have an opportunity to see your son play at such a high level. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really a thrill for me and we're blessed. We're very blessed. Yes, absolutely. Great place to end it on. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Shout out to my boys, Eli, Colby, and Steven playing for you this spring. Can't wait to see it. And uh, best of luck in the Little East and back in the NCAA playoffs, hopefully. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate having me on. Thanks again for listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. See you next time. You've been listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also listen to the podcast on the website, laxjournal.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NELaxJournal, Instagram at New England Lacrosse Journal, Lax Journal on Facebook, and our email address, chasingthegoal at laxjournal.com. Join us again next time as we go chasing the goal. Chasing the goal, a Siemens Media Podcast.